Welcome to the Smarty Podcast Series from Charlotte Smarty Pants, where we focus on all things parenting. We talk about everything from education, health, travel, beauty, fashion, and more. Join in on the discussion at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast Series is produced by Charlotte Star Room, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio, and the best parties in the QC, the pop star music video parties, and professional voice lessons in a studio. Hi everyone, this is Cheryl Perry and Jen Plim with Charlotte Smarty Pants. Thanks for joining us on our latest Smarty podcast. Here with us today is Mary York Oates, the Director of Admissions at Charlotte Latin School. Hey Mary York. Hello, so glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. Um, today we are starting a series, this is the first, um, with Mary York on Jessica Leahy's book, The Gift of Failure. If you haven't read the book, we highly recommend it for parents with kids of all ages and stages. I think we can all agree that parents today have a huge fear of failure, whether it's failing as a parent, watching your kids fail, being blamed for their failure, the list goes on and on. If you identify in the slightest with any of that, this book is for you. So let's just dive right in. I um, loved this book. I really identified with it. I've got a 10th grader, 8th grader, 6th and 3rd, so I'm kind of in all the stages. And I really liked her. She had a really tactical approach to solutions for parenting those ages so what did you what did you think I agree I think my favorite thing about um, Jessica Lay is that she knows development Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't really matter what stage you are as a parent um, and what how old your children are she understands how this sense of failure um, what she actually talks about is autonomy which we'll talk about in a minute but the um happens at each age and she it just manifests it's she does a nice job of combining anecdote with research mm-hmm. and I yeah, really can't stand books that give me a list of things that I've got to do Same. like <laughs> because I can't remember it to begin with right. and I find that I found that her premise was so appealing and affirming right in this sense of autonomy and realistic and realistic yeah. exactly and it's not like she wants you know the the title we talk about these the series of these different podcasts we want to do on these gifts that don't seem like <laughs> very good gifts yeah <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah they fail. sound horribly right. daunting they sound, yeah. yeah right they sound terrible but it's not like she believes that we should create scenarios for them to face plant that's not the premise it's just that we as parents no longer value struggle and I really see that every single day well, I mm-hmm. think parents today now more than ever, and I don't really know why, but um, it's like they don't want their kids to ever fail no matter what. And But we all know that everyone's successes come from big failures. It's exactly. hard to watch your kids fail, it's, too. It it's heartbreaking. It's one of the hardest parts of being a parent is to watch mm-hmm. the and failure. I don't, my parents never talked about this. Like So they probably were heartbroken still, but yeah, maybe they, they just, just didn't forgot. talk about it. Yeah. Did they forget? I don't know. Well, it was? I think, actually, our parents understood the value of struggle back to that they understood that you know when you're you know my mother grew up in the depression she's older I'm sure than your mother's but it was it was really very clear in my house that I didn't know what hardship was true you know that that, you know she saved tinfoil she recycled things reused things was clever about um you know everything that we take for granted right right and I think that she had this sense that um we were a little soft so I don't know that what does she think now? right (laughs) we are terribly soft yeah 
Well, one of my favorite parts of the book, I liked the whole book, and the whole book was really readable, but one of my favorite parts was the beginning, when she went through kind of the history of parenting. That was fascinating, just like the different stages of, um, like, pediatricians being the people who know it all. You know, it was really good, that beginning part. It was fascinating, and it it also made a lot of sense, because she tracks the 200, about 200 years of the evolution of parents, where in the beginning... Before the Industrial Revolution, we used children in the workforce. Um, and she said, you know, when child labor laws came in and you could no longer use your seven-year-old to go under major apparatus, yeah. Yeah. you know, that the parents couldn't understand what the value of the child was. I mean, yeah. how different yeah. are we now? We're yeah. bubble wrapping them. It's fascinating. It is. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. So the she talks a lot about autonomy. That's mm-hmm. one of the biggest themes of the book. How do you see this manifesting itself in like a kindergartner? We'll kind of go through the stages, like kindergarten, like so elementary school, Perfect, yeah. middle school, high school. Well, when you think of autonomy, she talks about auto meaning self and the second part of the word meaning rule. And so it's that sense of self-rule or self-governance, even in a way of a child almost having a an identity that is true to the boy or the girl and so in kindergarten one thing that she talks about and I hear this from our kindergarten teachers all the time is that we don't let children do enough when they're five and six years old because we do it for them we do it we're always in a rush and we just want it done exactly the way we want it done exactly gratification right if I pack your lunch then I know I'm going to seal it tightly and your fruit isn't going to spill into your sandwich yeah where she says, you know, a, a young student packing their lunch can be a really great life lesson if they come home with a soggy bologna sandwich. But no parent wants them, them to, have to have a soggy, soggy sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, something right. as silly as that. Yeah. And so she talks a lot about, um, she doesn't call them chores, but, you know, family responsibilities that everyone should pitch in and um, things like making their bed and tying their shoes. And releasing your own sense of control around that because it's hard for a lot you know, of people. I find that so I've my third grade I've tried to make my third and sixth grader I know this sounds ridiculous that a sixth grader can't make his bed very well but he doesn't even oh, try right, like yeah, doesn't right. even try it drives me crazy mm-hmm. so it's hard to get past nagging mm-hmm. like tighten it up without letting so you want them to have the autonomy but you don't want to nag so how right. how do we even get past that you know yeah I you know the one thing that she mentioned that is kind of a sidebar um but I really it spoke to me was this alongside parenting mm-hmm. and I think about it especially with my sons even a little more than my daughter because my sons never told me anything if we were looking at each other in the eye but if we were in the car or, yeah, we or like were on a bike ride a bike ride <laughs> yeah. or in, on a hike or something mm-hmm. or fixing something they were much more okay. likely to That's talk so my she voice. talks about actually spending some time teaching these children the skills. And I think that's something we've moved away from, too, that yeah. that we can say um, she t- gives a great anecdote about um, a log pile. I guess they live in the Northeast. And so that when you everybody has to pile the logs, but there is kind of an art to it. And if the logs fall while you're piling them, it's your responsibility to to repile and so she said that I spent a couple of days teaching my you know adolescent son how to do the log pile but it was a really good example because if he didn't do it right he was stuck there so I think that her whole point is pick the things that you want them to do and own 
and to and you really truly have to back out yeah and so with the with the nagging I mean I think it's a little bit along the line if that's a family responsibility that they make their bed then there has to be a consequence mm-hmm. that they're not making their bed yeah. and yeah. yet but no nagging just you know what Scott, sorry Hard I guess you're stop. just you yeah. know you don't yeah. you don't get to do Fortnite today sorry about that yeah yeah because there's got to be something that n- that's where the struggle is mm-hmm. but you don't want to deny that you don't want to you don't want to deny yourself that because if they go play Fortnite, you have 30 minutes of quiet. Right. Right. And right. so I think to your point about the rushing and the and the not creating situations, a little bit of input is better than daily, you know, yeah. nag. Right. right. And then so what about middle school? So I've got a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two middle schoolers, but one is just transitioning to sixth grade. And it has been... It is a transition for yes. him, big mm-hmm. time. And I found this was a perfect book for where mm-hmm. I am right now with mm-hmm. him because I found myself like constantly making sure he has his Chromebook charged. He has his Chromebook. He has his sports stuff for practice in the afternoon when he really should be doing that. Mm-hmm. But it's hard when you're watching him struggle. Not struggle, but it's just a big transition, you right. know, and they're exhausted and there's so much to think about. So what um, – tell us a little bit about what Leahy says about middle school. Well, middle school – this of, was my favorite yeah. section because my favorite thing that she said is middle school is a setup. Mm-hmm. And she said – I love I that. I thought that was yeah. so perfect. And yeah. she said – you know, if the if the goal is for our children to fail, then we should feel like great parents <laughs> in middle school because it is nothing but a series of uh-huh. mistakes. You know, we all talk about how awkward it is. To your point, asking a sixth grader to have the Chromebook charged, the book bag packed, the sports bag packed. In week the, one. In week one and the notes and all of that, you know, it, it's actually, to her point, virtually impossible for for to that get it right to get it right yeah and so you know I infer from that that again it's that teaching moment mm-hmm. where let me spend some time with you and let me show you some things and um I think and it's a progression it's too. a progression like it can't be Monday can't be morning cold yeah yeah you know yeah. Hard. okay buddy yeah you know. but I just you have to be careful as a parent to not let that transition or that progression be so slow we had a um cheerleading coach in sixth grade who was tough Mm -hmm. but she but she taught really good skills like that like we were kind of not from the coach but I remember like my daughter forgot her cheer bag packed and ready to go day one and she knew her cheer coach was tough and I was like all right I'm I'm gonna bring I'm bringing the bag Mm -hmm. I'm bringing her the bag when I got to the office everyone's like oh you're that mom. I was like, today I am. If it happens again. <laughs> right. And it happened again, and I let her yeah, fail. But it was, but I was so scared for her. Yeah. But it I was, know. But I it know. was such good lessons because she never forgot ever again. But she forgot after when I brought it to her. You know, yeah, so right. I should have let her fall flat on her face day one, and it would have happened again. But well, yeah. and, you know, she talks about the whole packing lunch thing. Yeah. And I, or I, bringing lunch for right. forgotten lunch. She right. talks a lot about that. Yes. I that was one thing that I felt I wanted to do for my kids yeah. because I just thought it was a nice thing. I, to sort I pack of, lunch. I know, and I feel so I guilty all week I ever since I've read this. I'm a lunch packer too. <laughs> but I, I, all the way through I love to make year. sandwiches and salads. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it, and I think if that's the thing that is your love language is your love language, yes. why would you notes, take yeah. that out? But I would 
say find the stuff you hate like unloading yeah. the dishwasher or you or know, like water. wiping down the toilet seat yeah, yeah. that exactly yeah. because but you didn't you know, mess up right exactly that's a perfect example um and and i do think having responsibility for others in your house because it's not fair to your other children if the one has made the mess and he hasn't cleaned right, it up right so well we stopped um a cleaning lady for a lot of reasons but we have four people in addition to us right and it and for me in the beginning it was like I didn't want to let go of that wonderful full day clean when you yes. walk in and the mm-hmm. smell and it's perfectly clean. Mm-hmm. But so it's been a transition, but it's like a control thing too. And so I've turned it into the one day clean actually does happen. It just, maybe it's like a one and a half day clean. Right, you know? right. But, um, you know, it's teaching them you skills. The treats, and, yeah. and it's like, why are we paying someone else to do this um, out of laziness really? But but they kind of balked at it in the beginning. Now they know how to mop. Now they, you know, now they right. know the order. And just like we had someone come in and clean. so. And they also know that a mess has to be picked up. And mm-hmm. so they're less likely right. to make the big mess. They're and they cl- love the feeling sure. of the end product. Yeah, so. yeah it's affirming. It's like, yeah. I can do this. But sometimes it's hard. But I think the, the, the biggest takeaway um, which we'll probably talk about again and again through all these series of bad gifts that are actually wonderful gifts. Um, when you remake the bed, she talks about this, when you ask them to do a chore and then you go in behind them and fix it, um, you are saying to them, you are really not capable of making the bed. Mm-hmm. You are really not capable of putting the groceries away. Even if it's as simple as re- the way you, they shelve it, they're the worst bed makers. And the right. worst. It's, the worst. Right. We have bunk beds. Yeah. Oh gosh. I know, but I let I do let them yeah. look messy. I, I I get that hard. Or or make that not be the hill you want to die on. Yeah. If if you like, you know, I think it's kind of like pick your things. If it's really important to you to have a nice made bed, your child to have a nicely made bed, you know, maybe that's something that isn't in the responsibility list. I think it's really important for parents, and I always want to liberate parents to do things that are going to be sustainable mm-hmm. and easy for you to live with. And to, yeah, and, and to enforce. And then and let's move, like, transition into high school, high school too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, this one is. we don't want to cut out on high school. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the biggie. That's well, the biggest failures that need to happen. And here's the, the, tr- the great tragedy. You said it a minute ago, Jen. Parents not only have no tolerance for struggle, or failure, they believe it is lethal right. to the child's ultimate success in life. I mean, they are right. putting such high stakes around this. And it comes from fear. It comes from, will my child be as successful as I was? You know, we all have said we couldn't get into the college that we attended now, you know, right. based on right. how competitive it feels. Um, and so I think think it's genuine and I never want to judge a parent because I do think that their angst is their angst their grief is their grief I think the thing that is frightening and I've seen it sadly is that when parents tighten the grip on these situations and prop the child up because they don't they feel like they've got to call the teacher. They've got to call the coach. We've talked about these same topics right. again and again. But when the bigger message is they're saying to the child, you're not capable of doing this. You are not strong enough to go be an advocate for yourself. You're not going to handle this well. And 
the thing that was really fascinating about this book that kind of made me sit up really straight is she talks about a case where a child plagiarizes Mm -hmm. and the parent wants the um and all of us would feel sick if our child plagiarized on anything in school we know the severity of that kid goes to their honor council and the parent wants to have the record expunged because they say this is going to ruin his chance to a get a scholarship b get into the school Mm -hmm. that he wants you know CD, serious repercussions. Serious repercussions, yeah. and they will not survive this. What you're basically saying is it's okay to cheat, and we'll I will get you out. And they yeah. say when parent begins to act as lead counsel as opposed to come to me and, and weep on my shoulder and let me show you you were strong enough to get over this, that's the flaw. And I think yeah. that's the damage to civilization I mean, right. I well, think it's if so they're, much if they're serious that they're going to lose scholarships too. The parents are also fearful, like maybe there's a money issue. You right. know, like well, there's scary. so there's much so financial much. aid in the United States of America. Maybe not to Duke, but there yeah. are a lot of good schools out there that mm-hmm. will 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 see that. I mean, as a blip, yeah. as a tenth grade mistake. Right. Um, That's well, especially we, if they use it, if it's early enough, they can right. use it as their paper. College and, essay. Yeah, right. their essay. Or how they, or they how actually they really learn from it. Yeah. We had yeah. our keynote speaker last year at our kindergarten open house. Maybe, I can't remember if he was kindergarten or upper school open house. Talked about making, he had made an honor offense in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And he was so horrified and so embarrassed. And he went through the whole, you know, story. And he said, that it really motivated me to want to be on honor council, and I feel like I'm a much more empathic person when people mm-hmm. come through and they have right. hardships. And this kid was everything to everybody by the time he graduated. Went to Georgia Tech, was super successful. The parents didn't interfere with the outcome. They supported him. Children are supposed to mess up. Yeah. What do you think the um, underlying reason is for our generation of parents who don't really want our kids to fail like what why is it so different than previous generations well she talks about that and I I can see this I don't know if y'all feel this way but she sort of talks about this evolution and I think I think things cycle in Mm -hmm. cultures Mm -hmm. I think we can see times in America where we are more optimistic and less optimistic and you know you can look at different times that war times versus peace times and all the rest of it that impact everything but she talks about how parents become empowered our generation we all went to college most of us had careers right out of college we had identities a lot of us realized that maybe the child care wasn't what we wanted it to be to me i think the greatest liberating factor in america today is better child care i think 20 mm-hmm. years yeah. ago mm-hmm. we didn't have as much to choose from and so what's happened is you have these super successful people um, that have gone through a depression, you know, or a recession, I guess mm-hmm. not a full-fledged de- depression in 2008, um, have had consequences in their lives, were super successful. They're no longer maybe in the workforce, so they, their children are their performance right. review. Right. You know? And their identity. And their identity. And their success is their identity. Right. And if I can, if I can teach you the game, or better yet, play the game for you to the kids. Right. Which is horrible. Then, you know, but, but. There's a lot of research to say um, how flawed that is. And, you know, we're seeing it, you know, 
seeing it with kids flunking out. We did the whole anxiety podcast last yeah. year where we're seeing kids are cracking. It's too much pressure. I've never understood why parents have been so fixated on achievement but have been dismissive about other things. Mm-hmm. And where we still do have influence with our children, to your point about is it making the bed or packing the lunch mm-hmm. or being home by curfew or you know, going to temple or speaking to your grandmother or, you know, having a summer job. Like, we still have influence on things that we can provide guidance and we can we can say you're going to do this. Yeah. And yet we're trying to get into whether or not they pick band or not or they take five APs versus four mm-hmm. and that they're only going to apply to these three schools. I mean, why do we want to make those decisions? Why do we think we have the answer to that? Yeah. I don't know. I also feel like the parents who are letting their kids fail are at a minority Mm -hmm. today. And it's hard for the kids because I let mine fail. They fail a lot. And um, (laughs) they don't fail that much, but they fail (laughs) enough. You give them the gifts. We've had some failure. We've had some gifts of failure. And um, they're like, you know, it's it's hard for them because no one else is apparently failing Mm -hmm. and or – or things line up and they know how they know they they're not dumb they see parents lining stuff up and we're not and um, the short-term advantage to those kids is a big advantage in their mind as they age maybe things will change maybe they won't I don't know but it seems to be that we're a minority in the way we're parenting I think that and so you you know we have to liberate our our peers and our friends and bring them along because I think that it's at the end of the day, all of us want these children to be good citizens and great people. Right, they're the next gen. They're, they're leading our country. They're leading our country. Yeah, and, and we do a lot of you know market research, and you look at the boomers and what they want. You look at the um, millennials and what they want, and the next generation behind the millennials is really fascinating. And it it is typically a response. You know, they didn't. Be- they knew that a trophy for every child was bunk. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks a lot about credibility here. Yeah. That kids will sniff out the yeah. phony oh, yeah. with the parents pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot. There's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's so much more to talk about with this. And so definitely forever. tune in to our um, series on this topic, on this book, and definitely pick up a copy for yourself and read it. So thank you for joining us, Mary York. Love yes, being thank here. You. Um, you can find Charlotte Latin School at charlottelatin.org and on Facebook and Instagram at Charlotte Latin School and on Twitter at Charlotte Latin. And you can always find us online or on Facebook and Instagram at Charlotte Smarty Pants or on Twitter at Charlotte Smarty. Thanks so much for listening to our Smarty Podcast. You can always join in on the conversation at charlottesmartypants.com. Smarty Podcast Series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com.